0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Consecrated, everybody say consecrated. Awesome, all right, so let's open our Bibles today. To Romans chapter six, and if you are familiar with the book of Romans, you are already nervous because Romans is deep, Romans is wordy, wor- uh, ro- I'm, a, it's, see, you see, I'm getting caught up now trying to tell y'all about Romans. Romans is, is rich, it's revelatory, and uh, one of the most rich and dense passages of the whole book is right here in Romans chapter six. So I want you to go with me, Romans chapter 6, we're going to stand to our feet and read the word of God out loud together as a family. I'm going to read verses 11 through 14, and I want to invite you, please read it with me out loud because this is one of those passages that really is so dense that it's important for you to read it out loud over yourself and get it in your spirit. You with me, church? If you're with me, say amen. I might push on you a little bit because you're quiet and for some reason I'm extra excited today. So, Romans chapter 6, thank y'all, verse 11 through 14, y'all ready? Let's do it. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Somebody say consecrated. That's what it looks like to be consecrated right there. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, hallelujah, since you are not under law but under grace. Praise Jesus today I'm going to talk to you from the subject of saints that are set apart saints that are set apart. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that today the spirit of revelation would rest upon each and every one of us powerfully and that you would show us more about the lifestyle that you've called us into. Lord, I pray against every spirit of the enemy that would try to silence the voice of God and the people of God's ears today. Lord, I pray for open hearts, open minds, open spirits, Lord. I pray that there be no distractions and full focus on the seed that you want to deposit today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You can be seated. Tell your neighbor, say, You are supposed to be set apart. That's it. We are saints that are set apart. So I'm sure that, like me, many of you have read this verse of Scripture many times, at least Romans 6, Romans 7, Romans 8. And you get into so much density. You guys know what I'm talking about when you're reading Romans? Any Bible students in the room? When you're reading Romans, it's just so rich. So I want you to bear with me today because I'm taking three verses of Scripture, and I'm going to do my best to really break them down for us and define what biblical consecration looks like in Romans chapter 6. Is that cool with you guys? Because we're doing a sermon series on consecration. All right. So if you wanted to summarize these three verses of scripture that we've read out loud together today, you could do so with the theme of this series. One word, which is consecration. If you had to summarize these three verses that we just read, you could do so with that word, consecration. And it's about personal consecration. Let me give you a couple of definitions of consecration from three different Bible dictionaries. The first one is the dictionary of Bible themes, and that resource says consecration is the setting apart of people, things, and times or places as sacred for God to use. How many of you guys know that church is a consecrated thing? It's a consecrated place, and it's a consecrated time. We set aside 10 30 on a sunday morning every seven days the rhythm of our consecration and we say church is important to me and it is sacred to me and i have set it aside to give to god and for god to use as an instrument of righteousness in my life listen you guys that come to church every sunday salute i respect you okay because that is something that i find to be just absolutely amazing And I wanna say good job for making the church a consecrated place. Here's the next one. The Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology says that consecration is translated as consecrate, sanctify, or to make holy, which means separation with relationship to God. Let me give you one more. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says this. Consecration is the persons or things being separated to or belonging to God. They are holy or sacred. They are set apart, there's that word again, for the service of God. So when you look at all three of these definitions, there's one word that really stands out to me. Maybe it stood out to you. You know what that word is? Separation. Separation. So what we're learning here about consecration is that if we are to be a consecrated people, we are to be a separated people. Does that make sense to you? If we are to be a consecrated people, we are to be a separated people. Now, consecration doesn't just mean separated from something, it also means connected to someone. So as we talk about being separated and we talk about being consecrated, I don't want you to respond to me like old boy did and remember the titans when he was asked is football fun and he said zero fun sir (laughs) y'all remember that i was thinking about that when i was studying this because i was i was thinking about your faces when i began to announce consecration means separation in jesus name and i thought people are going to look at me like i'm crazy like that don't sound like fun man separated separated from what I don't want to be separated from stuff especially things that i enjoy i don't want to be set apart from things that i have fun doing i don't want to be a separated person yeah but you want to be a consecrated person amen Amen. well consecrated people are separated people and they recognize that god has called them to be separated from something so when we see here by definition consecration means separation we must ask ourselves the question what has God called me to be separated from? Yeah. What, as a consecrated person, everybody say, that's me. That's you, that's you. as a saint of the most High God in Jesus' name. As a consecrated person, what is it that you are called out to be separated from? Primarily this, sin. Yeah. Uh-oh. See, this is how it went in first service too. Listen, don't, <laughs> don't hold back. Y'all stay with me, okay? Just try to enjoy it. Because I'm going to talk about sin for a second. But as a consecrated person, God has called us out and set us apart so that we might be separated from sin. Sin. Romans 6, 11. We read this verse first, and I want to read it to you again. Verse 11 says this, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin. Yeah. Dead sin. Wow, That's a big words, aren't they? Dead to sin. You ever looked at somebody before and said, you're dead to me. (laughs) Not y'all, because you're, like I said, you're saints. You would never do that. You're saints that have been set apart. You'd never say that to anybody in a mean spirit. You're dead to me. But listen, some of us are more willing to put away relationships than we are willing to put away sin, because the Bible tells us here that we need to consider ourselves to be completely dead to sin. Look at your neighbor and say, consider yourself. Isn't that an interesting way, uh, you know, of encouragement? Consider yourself. If you look at the King James Version, you know what Paul says? Reckon yourselves. Now, I don't know if you grew up like me. I grew up southern in the sticks of West Kentucky, and I heard all the time, well, I reckon. Y'all ain't never heard that before, have you? Well, I reckon so. What does that mean? I've decided. I've made up my mind. I've chosen to. I reckon so. Whenever Paul tells the people of God, I want you to reckon yourselves dead to sin, what he's saying is, I want you to decide. I want you to make a choice. I want you to determine that you as a consecrated saint are completely dead to sin in all of its power. Make up your mind today in Jesus' name that you are completely dead to sin and its power. Well, I reckon. I reckon I'm dead to sin. How about you? Somebody say, I'm consecrated. What does that mean? Say, I'm dead to sin. In Jesus' name. All right, so what is sin? Let's go a little deeper. What in the world is sin? Uh, Can I tell you, sin is not what you think it is. Sin is not what you say it is because we in ourselves have no power to define sin. We have to receive our definition from God as to what he says that sin is see, sin is not subjective like that where you can say, well, I didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal. I don't actually think that it's really a problem. You know, I'm a good person and everything. Yeah. But did God say it was sin? Because it's not up to you to determine if you've engaged in activity that are, that's actually sinful. That's up to God. And he's revealed that to us through his word. So we got to be faithful to study it and to read it, but hey, I know some people and I ain't going you know, to call them out. And don't elbow them if they're sitting next to you. But they refuse to read the Bible because they don't want to be held accountable for what they've learned. So we have to understand is that God has all authority, we know that, to define any term that we talk about. And he defines sin over and over and over. And despite it being a vast biblical concept, I want to give you a short definition of what sin is. Sin is simply this. It is being wrong before God. Sin is being wrong before God. So we have to ask the Lord, what do you say is right? What do you say is wrong? If you look throughout throughout scripture, you'll, you'll notice a few other things. Sin is wrongdoing. It's considered transgression against God. It's a failure to do what is right. It offends its lovelessness towards other people. It's rebellion against God. It's when the heart gets inclined towards corruption and evil and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera. But one of the best scriptures to define what sin is, in my opinion, is Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Check this out. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. That didn't, that didn't do for you what it did for me. If, thank you, Lord, for an amazing definition of sin. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. See, you can lie to your best friend. You can, you can lie to your spouse. You can lie to your na- you can lie to your pastor, you can, but you cannot lie to yourself. No matter how hard you try, you know in your heart what's really going on. And if you know it is not right, then God says that it is sin. Are we on the same page now? Awesome. This is a he- this is a heavy word today. I should have given a disclaimer. It's going to be a little heavy, but we're in it now, so ain't no turning back. Well, since God has called us to be a set apart people, He's called us to be a consecrated people he's called us to be a separated people from sin what does that mean it simply means this God has called us to be dead forever from doing what we know is not right you can take you can, you can take a picture of this one if you want I think this is a good summary God has called us to be dead forever to doing what we know is is not right. That's what it looks like to be consecrated. That's what it looks like to be set apart. That's what it looks like to be a believer, all right? We're not talking about layers of like professional Christians here. We're talking about all Christians. I think sometimes we get into this place where we're like, oh, that's for the super Christians. No, it's for Christians. Just, it's just Christians. It's just for all of us, believers, disciples, people who confess Jesus and follow Christ. It's for everybody. All right, it's for everybody. God has called us to be dead forever to doing what we know is right because we are called to be consecrated. Everybody say consecrated. All right, what's the opposite of consecrated? Compromised. If you want to see a reflection or you want to get a, a synonym of what consecration I, isn't. It is simply this. It is compromise. If you look at the word compromise, you can start using words like this, ignoring, neglecting, defiling, and polluting. And that is exactly what it means to be compromised. A compromised person, they ignore and they neglect God's word and then uh, they defile and then they pollute themselves in sin. That's what happens. We should pray for our compromised friends. Amen. We should pray for our compromised family members. We should pray for people in our life that we know have compromised because God has called them higher. He's called them to be consecrated. Paul goes on to tell us how not to compromise. And he tells us in verse 12 and 13 like this. Do not let sin control the way you live do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. How many of you guys think that's pretty clear? That's pre- these, these are the hard passages, though. These are, these are the hard ones. These are the tough ones to dive into and study. Do not let sin control the way that you live. What does that tell us? Sin would love to control the way you live. Yeah, you remember in Genesis what God told Cain? He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, get this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it, is what God told Cain. Sin wants to control our lives. And if we allow it to, church fam, it will. It will. How does sin control your life? Paul tells us right here. He says sin wants to control your life. How, does it get, how do you get there to where you are living in a place where you are literally uh, subjected to your sin and sin now controls your life? You get there by constantly giving in. This, this is straight from the Bible. By constantly giving in to sinful desires. How many you guys remember that scripture? Resist temptation and it will flee from you. That's, that's what a consecrated person does. What a compromised person does is temptation comes and you let it in every time. Oh, temptation's knocking? Come on in. Yeah. T- oh, that's temptation again at the front door. Come on in. The more you keep opening that door, what happens? It, this is just Paul. I'm paraphrasing, okay? I'm not trying to be your dad. Because I grew up, you know, getting some pretty hard messages, you know? No, y'all didn't? Because everything was a sin in the church I grew up in. You left your shoestrings untied using sin. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just everything was sin. But like Paul says, if you repeatedly open that door to temptation and you let sin in and you give in to sinful desires, then what happens? Sin will actually control your life and you'll be subjugated to the power of sin. Now, the word he uses here for desire when he says don't give in to sinful desires is actually the word passion. We got any passionate people in the room? I'm passionate. Let me, I mean, you probably noticed that already, but I'm passionate. And one of the things about, about disciples of Christ, we've also got to be discerning disciples because we need to constantly discern where our passions are flowing from. Because passion always flows from one of two places. It either flows from our flesh or it flows from faith. So we need to be discerning whenever we are hit with passion, when we're overcome with desire, we need to be discerning. Stop and think, what is the root of this passion? Is it my flesh or is it faith? Because if I will lean into the desires of my faith, then I'll move towards consecration. But when I lean into the desires of my flesh, then I lean towards compromise. Are you with me this morning, church? Are are, Are you, is this helping you at all? Does this feel like a Sunday school lesson? Great. It's okay if it does. It's all right. But the, my point here is when we constantly give in to sinful desires, then what we do is we enthrone our flesh and we make our flesh our final authority. So while we say I'm a Christian, Jesus does not sit on the throne of your heart. Your flesh does. This is why we do what we did this past week. We, are, we fast, we push away the plate because we're informing our bellies that our stomach is not our God. You with me? So this is what Paul is teaching us to do. he's He's not just giving us a keynote presentation. He's actually giving us tools to be empowered to live a life that Christ paid for on the cross for us to experience this abundant life that God paid for. We so rarely experience it because we're living under the weight of our sin. And Paul is explaining here, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to live under the weight of your sin you don't have to live in sin cycles you can actually get out of that you can get off that hamster wheel you can be free of the power of sin in your life that's what the gospel is the gospel is not seven steps to success like we're going to make you a more efficient sinner we're going to make you just a little bit happier but you're never going to get free from the weight of sin in your life the gospel is that Jesus Christ paid for your salvation on the cross so that you could be separated from sin to the point where you are asked to choose in your mind, I'm dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I don't have to live another way to sin anymore. I'm dead to it. It's dead. Amen. I'm encouraged. I don't know if you're encouraged. I'm encouraged. And so Paul Paul goes on. You got to catch this real quick. Paul goes on and he says, here's what happens when you constantly give in to sinful desires. You may start making internal compromise, but you're eventually going to be making external compromises. No longer are you going to be acquiescing here, but you're going to do that with your physical flesh. You're going to do that with your body. Wickedness… it it starts there. It's that internal compromise. And then ultimately it, it becomes external compromise. Paul literally says, yielding your physical bodies to become servants of sin, not servants of God. And that church is what we as consecrated people are called to be dead to. All right. This should have no place in our life because we've been set free by the grace of God. We are set apart. Paul goes on Man, I I wish I had like six weeks to teach this because I think it's that rich, it's that deep. But if you look at the, the last part of verse 13, which we read, Paul reminded the church, he said, yeah, but you're not under law. You're under grace, right? And like I said, we could do a whole sermon on law and grace, law and grace, all the contrasts and all that. I'm not gonna do that, but let me give you one point real quick. Why does Paul remind us you're not under the law? Why does he remind us of that? Because he knows that we know that the law has no power to free us from sin. Hey, hey, don't forget, here's why you can be free. Here's why you can walk out your salvation and be free from sin, because you're not under the law anymore. You're not subject to the law. The law has no power to free you from your sin. You are under grace. So here's the big difference. Grace, on the other hand, woo! thank you, Jesus, has the power to free me from my sin. Law doesn't have that power. Grace has that power. And that's why Paul is reminding the church, hey, don't forget, the reason why you can decide in your mind that you're dead to sin is because you actually have legal permission. You actually have legal permission to live in accordance to a new rule which is you don't have to do all this stuff only to prove to yourself that you fall short without your Savior. The Savior has come. He's shown himself to you through his own body and his blood on the cross. He resurrected on the third day and he ushered in a new way of life, which is a way of grace, which is a way of power, supernatural mercy, working on your behalf to sever your relationship with sin for good. We could spend a lot of time talking about this, huh? How many of you guys think we should? If you're really curious and you you just want to do a a deep dive, one of my top recommended books is The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Knee. Totally recommend it. All right. Should we move on? Todd's with me. Okay, we're moving on to the next point. So here's the thing. We're now alive in God. Somebody just, just, just marinate your spirit in that reality like you're gonna marinate that roast you got in the crock pot at home. Just bathe in it for a second. Just say it over yourself. Say, I am alive in God. Ooh, does that do anything for you? Wow. I used to be dead. But now I'm alive in God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture real quick. Once you were dead because of your disobedience. How many of you guys were there? Me. Why, why were you, you were disobedient? Why? Because you had all kinds of sin. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. And you were obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Everybody say compromised. compromised. That, devil's working. All of us used to live in that way. Following the passionate desires, there's passion again, and the inclination of our sinful nature, but by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everybody else, but God, but God, but God is so rich. In mercy his mercy is inexhaustible it never runs out never runs dry and he loves us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by god's grace that you have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with jesus and then he seated us with him in the heavenly realms why because we are united and cannot be separated from jesus man, it's a good day. This is a praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be completely united and sit down in the heavenly realms. I am disconnected from the power of sin in my life because Jesus is my savior. I have died to sin. I am alive to God. I have resurrected with Jesus and I am positioned and seated in the place that he is in. I hear you, pastor. I hear you, but sin is just too powerful. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I don't think I'm going to be able to get free. I thought you might ask that. So I want to give you two quick points. (laughs) I want to give you two real quick points. There's really two quick points. There's very two. They're very very simple, but they come to you right from Romans chapter 6. All right, so I'm not making anything up. This is not my life advice for you. I'm not your life coach. I'm just reading it. I'm just reading it, okay? Here's number one. As a consecrated people, we're to do this. Number one, offer yourself to God as somebody who saved your life. I think it would do us so well if we would remember, Jesus saved my life. You saved my life. Like, how would you respond? Like, if somebody, like, saw you under the ice and you were drowning and you couldn't get free and they cracked open that thing and they picked you up, what kind of debt of gratitude would you owe that person for the rest of your life? And yet, we would probably give more to that person than we would recognize continually Jesus did more for us than that because he not only saved our life in the here and now, but he saved our life forever, ever. So can I encourage you? Don't move off of praise. Don't move off of gratitude. Don't move off of thankfulness. Stay in that position and present yourself, verse 13, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's what he's saying. Offer yourself to God as someone who has saved your life. This all starts in submission. Everybody say submission. Here's what a consecrated saint is. They are submitted, they are surrendered, and they are servant-oriented. That's how you would posture yourself before the Lord. As Paul says, offer yourself, it is like standing before a judge. It is yielding yourself. It is submitting yourself. It's a, here I am, I belong to you, I am yours, I am submitted, I am surrendered, and I am servant-oriented towards your desires. In Romans chapter six, verse 22, we didn't read that today, but if you were to just turn one page in your Bible, you'd read this. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, what? Hold on, Paul, what? That you have become slaves of God, the fruit that you're going to get from that kind of relationship is this, holiness and eventually eternal life. I know that's a harsh term and we don't use that term ever positively. But what does it mean? A slave is simply somebody who belongs to somebody else. And the reality is, if you are a Christian, you belong to God. The reality is, if you are a disciple of Christ, you belong to Christ. Like, you are no longer your own Lord. We're all on the same page about that, right? As we say, King of kings and Lord of lords. Like, you are no longer in charge of your own life. We're all on the same page about that, right, guys? Like, he is in charge. He's in the driver's seat. You with me? Jesus is Lord is probably the best three words to use when summarizing the gospel. And that means that every other knee will bow and every other tongue will confess this is truth. Jesus is God. Here's number two. Yield your physical body to God for holy behavior only. Now, I know like that right there is just, I'm, I'm, I might lose some people and I'm, I'm just reading it, all right? Don't shoot the messenger. Verse 13, Romans 6, present your members, that's the body, that's the physical body, that's the flesh, All right. And I'll leave it up to you, and you can use your imagination about all of your members that need to be presented to God as instruments for righteousness, okay? So let me read it in the NLT, because it says it like this. So use your whole body as an instrument, there's that same word twice, to do what is right for what? For the glory of God. Now here's what's interesting about that word instrument. It's the same word that we have for weapon. So what is Paul teaching us? Is that our physical bodies are actually weapons of either wickedness or worship. And we get to determine what they're to be used for by deciding, am I gonna surrender to him or not? And at what level am I gonna surrender to him? Because coming into relationship with Jesus does not look like just surrendering your spirit. Oh, I'm saved, my spirit is clean, I'm all good. No, no, that's not lordship, that's religion. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. If I had time, I'd go into the next chapter or, or, or the next section, actually, of Romans chapter six. Should we go on sinning then? God forbid we go on sinning. Why? Because I've now yielded myself to God. He is Lord, not only of my soul, but he's also Lord of my physical body, my life. How I many you guys could agree? This is tough. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and I'm closing with this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies. They didn't say give your mind, give your soul, give your heart, give your spirit. Give your body, not your imagination, your creativity. Give your body to God because of all that he has done for you. There's that gratitude piece again. When I'm really fully possessed with the gratitude that God truly deserves for what he's done in my life, I have no problem saying, here's my body too. What you want? You want my money, you, what you want, whatever, you, you saved my life. What is it that I could rightfully ever hold back from you? You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are the beginning. You are the end. You are my creator. You are my savior. You are my provider. You are everything. All in all, you are that. What dare I hold back from him? He is Lord, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, and he will find it acceptable, and this is truly the way to worship him. Isn't that interesting? This is truly the way to worship him. Yeah, I hear you singing, but God wants the body. He don't want just your voice. He wants the whole sacrifice. He don't want just your money. He wants the whole sacrifice. Oh, I give, I give. I'm no, fi- no. Nope. Nope. He wants the whole sacrifice. Well, I write a Christian blog. Well, thank you for your brain, but he wants the whole sacrifice. Well, I serve, I serve kids. Okay, thank you for your hands, but he wants the whole sacrifice. Like it's not just enough to par- portion it off. Oh well, you know, look at that, look at that. Listen, we've lost our gratitude. We've fallen out of touch of what Jesus has actually done for us, and we need to get reconnected not only to what he's done for us, but also what's available to us as a result. And that's why I want to leave you with this final comment, and I dare you to take a picture of it and pray it over yourself every day after you get out of the shower. It's the last one. There is more power working for you to be holy than power working against you to be sinful. All right? Come on, let's stand up. There is more power working for you to be holy than power working against you to be sinful. How many of you guys feel more free than when you walked in here? You know what's good about this? None of it is the result of the work of the flesh. There's nothing that you could do to make grace any more powerful and there's nothing that you could do to make grace any less powerful. Jesus set the standard and defined the term. Grace, unmerited favor. God's righteousness imparted to you. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Grace, all right? We don't get to redefine it. It's there for you. So let's all just say together, we receive it. We receive the power to, to, be to, to be dead to sin and alive to God, alive to God. In, Christ in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's bless the Lord together. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.